us. Grant that balm and healing in thy holy wounds I find. Every hour that I am feeling pains of body and of mind. Should some evil thought within tempt my treacherous heart to sin, show the peril, and from sinning keep me ere its first beginning. Should some lust or sharp temptation prove too strong for flesh and blood, let me think upon thy passion, and the breach is soon made good. Or should Satan press me hard, let me then be on my guard, saying, Christ for me was wounded, that the tempter flee confounded. Amen. The texts that will form the basis for our Monday, Thursday meditation this evening are found in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, reading first in Matthew 28. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. From Mark 14. And as they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them and said, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. And finally, from Luke's gospel, Do this in remembrance of me. These are the verbally inspired words of our God. Humbly asking our God to bless our study of these words this evening, so we pray. Sanctify us through your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. Dear fellow Christians, the devil and all his minions had a problem, several problems, really. It's not that they were in a panic. There's no need or cause for panic among Satan and his fallen angels, for panic is born of the fear of losing something. And they know that they have nothing to lose, and for that matter, nothing to gain. They rebelled against God and lost. And they know that they will be sentenced to the fires of hell for all eternity. Nothing can change that. They know that. Their attitude now is simply hatred for all that is good, for all that God loves. In fact, their hatred is so palpable that the human mind can't even fathom something that evil, that vile, that malevolent. Because that is all that they know. The sole purpose of their existence, therefore, is not to gain, but to destroy. Not to better their own lot, but to eternally destroy that of others. No upside for themselves, 
only downside for mankind. So there was no panic, only consternation, frustration, rage. For they recognized that God himself had dealt them a mighty blow, several mighty blows. Not just through Jesus' victory on the cross, but he had given them three gifts that they could identify. Three separate and distinct gifts that if left to their own, if not countered, would render them impotent, powerless to destroy any of God's creatures that he loves. Not one single human being could be destroyed if these three gifts were allowed to stand. Something they decided had to be done. And in their rage and frustration, the devil convened his board meeting. In analyzing the problem, the forces of darkness determined that there were three separate gifts, therefore three items on their agenda. Those were his word, baptism, and holy communion. Each of the three were interconnected, but they determined that each would have to be dealt with with a separate plan, with a separate plan of attack. if they were to have any success at all in destroying that which God loves. The first problem then was the word itself. They recognized and agreed, first of all, that they were, there was nothing that they could do about Good Friday. Nothing. Because it was an accomplished fact. It was done. It was in the past. Jesus had successfully carried out his mission. He had lived a sinless life despite their best efforts. And then he had successfully offered that perfect life as the full and complete sacrifice on Calvary's cross. And what's more, God had declared the sacrifice full and complete by raising Jesus from the dead on the third day. There was, therefore, nothing that they could do to undo that. It stood as an historic fact. But it was the word of God that informed mankind of Jesus' victory and of God's, the Father's, unchangeable decree. Therefore, it was the word that must be attacked, the word that must be discredited. Now, what made the problem so difficult for them was the very simplicity that belied the power of these gifts. They were not complicated. They were not arduous. They were painfully simple. To begin with, if human beings would simply do what Jesus instructed them to do, which was to go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all things, whatsoever he had commanded them, if they would to just do that, all would hear the truth. And all would be exposed to that which can make them free and save their souls. All would be exposed to God's power working through that word. Something had to be done. 
It was therefore that incredibly powerful word of God that must first be attacked. They had learned the bitter lesson that God cannot be successfully resisted. He always wins. So man was the weak link. God determined to work through man. That power was sent through man to be shared with the world. So God's word and the men that carried it had to be attacked. They had to be defeated. Man is always the weak link. So the demons determined that they would attack the word by sending their human allies, human allies, to pervert that word, to subvert it by every conceivable means. They would deny, first of all, that God actually was the author of those words, promoting instead the idea that they were simply words of fallible men. Take them or leave them. They would twist and pervert the obvious meaning. They would seek to shame Christ's disciples into silence. For if souls never heard the word, its power would be nullified. They would promote the notion that the life-giving word was actually dangerous. Some of these things that they came up with, they didn't really think they would work. But astoundingly, they did. They convinced whole segments of the Christian church that the word was too dangerous to share with human beings. It must be kept under lock and key and dispensed only at the will of the men that Satan himself chose. But they had other problems, serious problems, for God, knowing the frailty of man, had chosen well. The gifts relied very little on man. A simple role to play, really. One that we shouldn't even be able to mess up. Just tell what you know in your own words, simply. Tell them about Jesus. Point them to a Bible. God himself would provide the effectiveness. God himself would provide the power so the next item on the agenda had to be what to do about baptism. God's gift. The gift that Jesus himself had instituted. Here was a problem, a challenge, for which no answer immediately presented itself. What could be done against so simple and so powerful a weapon? Again, all the power and efficacy came from God, was supplied by God. Man simply had to take that word that God had given them, connect it to the water, apply that water to an individual, and God said, I will work faith. I will bring that soul to saving faith in Jesus. How could something so simple ever be undermined or undone? It could not. So in frustration, they mold over their problem. How can we take away this weapon? Well, the best option would be simply to get mankind to ignore it. To not use it. To leave it at home. 
wouldn't it be great if we could convince them to not even apply it? As simple as their task is, if they can just be persuaded not to do it, and the demons must have thought they'll never go for that. And yet, what did they find that whole segments of the Christian church determined that they would exclude their most precious possessions, their own children, deciding that despite the fact that Jesus himself said to do this to all nations, and despite the fact that Paul said the promises to you and to your children, they decided their children would be excluded. They'll just rob their children of this benefit, of this great power, until they're about 12 years of age. So they simply withheld it. And next they agreed to promote the idea that baptism is not something by which God creates faith in us. In fact, baptism is a law that man has to obey, just another onerous regulation that God said, bring your children to baptism or come whenever you're ready and you need to do this because I'm telling you to do it. And then we'll further subvert it by saying that faith is not created through baptism, like I said it was. It's rather a decision that man has to make for himself. Man essentially then provides this faith, creates this faith in himself. So they adopted this plan. Having then formed their plan, their attack plan, for two of the three gifts, one remained. The seemingly insurmountable obstacle that they faced was God's gift of Holy Communion. Again, what could be done? Here, too, as with baptism, they recognized God's wisdom because God connected baptism to that most common of all earthly elements, water, universally available everywhere. So here, too, he connected wisely this sacrament to universally available elements, bread and wine, available everywhere in the world. So the devils knew they couldn't they couldn't destroy the power of this gift by trying to withhold the elements. There's no point. It's everywhere. And the more they molded over, the more they realized that this was not going to be solved, this problem, with just one plan of attack. They were going to have to come at this from every conceivable angle, try to subvert it with everything at their means, to discredit, to shame, to do anything they could because one thing alone wasn't going to win. They had to try anything and everything at their disposal. See, God recognized that having sent his son Jesus, it sounds odd to say, was not enough. Because Man had to hear that God sent his son. So God also gave the gift of his word so that men could hear. 
And he did, the Holy Spirit did work faith through that. But he also recognized that man also needed the special power of baptism to bring them to believe in that word, in that message of salvation through faith alone in Jesus Christ. Because man couldn't provide that on his own. He's spiritually dead. So he gave us the power of baptism, but he knew that it still wasn't enough because we can't be trusted to keep ourselves in that faith. We can't be trusted even to preserve this gift that God has given us. So God added that third gift, the gift of Holy Communion, where he personally, tangibly, individually assures each individual Christian This is the body and blood that was shed for you. And he used the plainest language you could imagine. This is my body. This is my blood. Not turns into, not symbolizes, not represents. This is take and eat. So what were they going to do to discredit this? It's too simple. It's too powerful. It's too effective. Well, again, it's an all-of-the-above approach that they determined they should take. Lies, distractions, distortions. Because they were having great initial success withholding the Word of God, and since human beings therefore had no way to discredit any lies that they promoted, The first plan of attack was again to promote the idea, as they did with baptism, that this is another law that they must obey. This is another means by which they themselves would earn God's love and forgiveness. Again, mankind, having been robbed of the word, had no means to disprove the lie. So countless believed it because they heard nothing else from their spiritual leaders. In other words, what the devil intended was to promote Holy Communion as the exact opposite of that for which God intended it. God intended it to be a source of comfort, to be a source of strength, to be a source of assurance that my sin debt has been paid. And instead, the devil and his allies successfully turned it into yet another law that I must fulfill. Yet another example of how I and my salvation are not complete. There is more I must do, always more, that I must do. Now I also must go to this Lord's Supper. And then came the most diabolically evil of all of Satan's plans. He not only destroyed the comfort that was intended, he brought into doubt the entire Christian faith, and he worked in the church, he pushed onto the church a terror unlike any other the Christian church has ever known. Because it came from Christians. And they heard their spiritual leaders saying, 
that you cannot be sure that your sin debt is gone unless until you do some things like go to confession and confess those sins or go to the Lord's Supper and there finally receive forgiveness for those sins based on what you have done. And so Satan struck terror into the hearts of Christ's church with the very thing that was intended to give us the exact opposite. Because now even Christians wondered, do I carry sin with me every moment of every day? Is there still sin always compiling on my account, accumulating in my heart? And does God only then parcel out forgiveness piecemeal, little by little, Wiping it clean even, maybe, but only periodically, again through things I must do, so that the sin again begins to accumulate immediately afterward. And, and all is lost unless my slate can be wiped clean at the instant of death. And knowing me, that's a microsecond in time. Odds are not good. Because my sins accumulate, if that were true, my sins accumulate immediately. But what did Jesus say in our last reading? This do in remembrance of me. That doesn't mean a memorial feast. It remembers every time you receive this true body and blood of mine in that heavenly miraculous way, in this gift I am giving you, remember what I did for you. Remember my words of completion. It is finished. Not I am finished with my part. It is finished. Your Salvation, your forgiveness is full and complete. It's your possession every moment of every day that faith resides in your hearts. No matter what you've done, you have full and complete forgiveness. God does not see your sin. In fact, just the opposite. He says, I remember it no more because I see my son in you through faith in him. I see his perfection because I put all your sin on my son. So now you know the devil's plan. And now you know better. You hear God's invitation, don't you? Do this in remembrance of me. You know what he's offering you here. Remember that. Understand, remember Satan's plan. And remember that it's a lie from beginning to end. The word is God's. The word is infallible. The word is a light to my feet, a lamp to my path. The word, if I remain in it, will make me free. I will know the truth. Baptism is what God said it is. The working powerfully through that word connected with water to bring faith even to infants. 
Holy Communion is his gift that assures me that my sin debt has been paid in full. You know this. And remembering that, Satan has no power over you. He must flee confounded before you. Christ was crucified for me. Against this, he will always be absolutely powerless. Amen.